Do you know when people say it's not one side or the other, but it's likely somewhere in the middle? Well, we're going to try and find the middle on this Spencer Sanders story. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for tuning in, and thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, and of course, upvote the video and per- or participate in the conversation by commenting down below. All right. By now, most everybody has heard the Spencer Sanders story, and I'll give you my background and essentially what I know, because I've made some calls on this one as well, but, you know, take that with a grain of salt. So, about two weeks ago, I guess Sanders entered the portal, and everybody immediately, you know, jumped to Ole Miss as being a good fit, because he's the quarterback that would fit well in our offense. That That's beside the point. And Auburn. Those two became the favorites right off the bat. So, after about a week and all of these rumors going back and forth, Spencer Sanders starts, like it's rumored that he was maybe wanting to withdraw from the portal and go back to Oklahoma State. But the rumor is there that he was told no by Mike Gundy. And then Spencer Sanders had to go back in the portal and Ole Miss and Auburn was back on the table. And there's several different things that could happen, whatever. It, there's a chance that Spencer Sanders could end up at Ole Miss, and he could end up um, at Ole Miss by the time you watch this. The, the commitment could happen. So let's look at this from the Ole Miss perspective, from the Spencer Sanders perspective, and try and figure out exactly how this fits. From the Ole Miss perspective, Ole Miss is about competition as a program. Jackson Dart is not going to shy away from this competition. If he was, he's not. He wasn't. He doesn't have the medal to really make it as an SEC quarterback to begin with. They want the competition in that room. Having walk-ons or lower-level quarterbacks in that room is not something that's going to be up to the standards of someone that puts competition so high. That's the number one tenet of this program is competition. So. Spencer Sanders has a chance to come out with his experience and really push Jackson Dart. Now, I question whether or not Spencer Sanders can beat out Jackson Dart, but the competition will happen. Absolutely will happen. Um, it's worth noting that the tenets of this football team, first is pro mindset, which all of a sudden people are, I don't know, getting wrong is a, Right way to put it, pro mindset basically means protect the team. Everything, be where you're supposed to be. Do whatever you're supposed to do. Protect the team, do whatever you have to do. That's what pro mindset is. Do what you're supposed to do. It doesn't have anything to do with how you play or who you are. No, it's how you go about handling your business. That's what pro mindset means. Competition, like I said, is the number one tenant of this football program. And that is just that you have to work and practice is much harder than the game and the way it goes out. Whoever you go against in practice is going to be better than who you go against in the game. They're going to acquire talent. They're going to try and build them up to make sure that iron sharpens iron. 
And the other one is have fun because they do want the advertisement online on TV of the fire extinguisher jumping around and looking like you're having fun playing a game because honestly, that's what you're supposed to do. Those are the three tenets of this football program. It's always been that. Since day one, that's what they've done. Spencer Sanders would fit with the competition. He would. It would force Jackson Dart and them to fight it out to move forward. Whoever wins the job, Ole Miss is in better shape for it. I said this last year when um, Luke Altmeyer and Jackson Dart was about to go, ready, go after it. Whoever wins the job, Ole Miss will be better for it. Okay? Now, people that are against this move, I'm talking about within the fan base, see it as an established thing, and you don't need to waste NIL money. We, we do have finite resources. We're not, we're not like A&M or Texas. So you do have to be careful on what you spend your money. And spending a starter-level NIL for a potential backup quarterback, that seems like a bad investment. That's the reason people say it doesn't make sense. It doesn't really matter about on-the-field stuff. It's the totality of what could possibly happen. How you might be inviting trouble in the locker room. Stuff that, essentially hypotheticals. But that is where that comes from. The people that are for it, view it as Jackson Dart struggled with turnovers, so maybe this will perform, will force him to be a little bit better off, which, honestly, Spencer Sanders is averaging about 10 interceptions a year, so it's kind of one for one there at this moment. So I don't know if Spencer Sanders is good enough to beat out Jackson Dart. I, I just don't know. I don't know if Jackson Dart is good enough to win the job. It's a competition that we have to see play out. Now, my opinion, thing I need is this has to be decided before the first football game. We can't go into the football season the way we did last year and play that game. Will not work. Doesn't help anybody. If there's going to be a quarterback competition, it needs to be decided by week three of fall camp, period. Traditionally, that's the way it needs to be. But if you're looking at competition and things like that, all these things over and over again, Spencer Sanders would fill that bill. The quarterback room would get better with Spencer Sanders in it. Period. There's really no way to get around it. Jackson Dart would get better with Spencer Sanders in it. Probably Spencer Sanders would get better with Jackson Dart behind him, you know, if that's the way it goes. If that competition should make both quarterbacks even better. I mean, it just is what it is, really. So, that is multiple ways to work through this situation. I believe, this is what I think now. The more I think about it, I don't know if I necessarily like the idea, but I understand the idea. The iron sharpening iron type deal. The having a ready to go back up if something goes wrong. Getting Jackson Dart ready by pushing him in 2023 for a potential 2024. Because that's going to be the big deal. 2024, the 12-team playoff, the whole nine yards. Ole Miss should have the talent to compete for that. So, if this is all about maximizing the quarterback's position, see, this is still going, still trying to maximize that this is a probably a good move. 
Now, if you think everything's dead and gone and or you know decided and Jackson Dart's going to win the job anyway, yada yada yada. We can't spend two hundred thousand dollars on Spencer Sanders. I don't know the number. I'm just guessing, spitballing there. Um, then I, I can understand that argument completely. If you're worried about inviting or borrowing borrowing trouble, understand that argument completely. If you if you talk about iron sharpening iron, understand that argument. See, you can. This is one of those situations where every side can be correct. You know, for better or worse, every side can be right, and we will see how this goes. There's there's about one week until the transfer window deadline day. There are several people, and we're going to talk about those in segment two, that are looking to commit, and we're going to basically plug on three because we're going off their recruiting prediction machine. Um, and we'll talk about people that could commit coming forward. And we will see exactly how that goes. I, I, I'm kind of excited I'm interested to see how all of this goes, honestly. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends with every sports uh, professional and amateur league out there from BetOnline. From college football, pro football, basketball, they've got it all. If you love sports podcasts, they've got those too. You can go find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure to you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, Insiders, coaches, and players locked on college basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right. In the first segment, we talked about Spencer Sanders, and we're going to talk about some other names that might pop. These names come courtesy of On3. I'm using their recruiting prediction machine, and it looks like all the predictions that are in there for Ole Miss was done by Zach Barry. So all of this is his description. They had Spencer Sanders is in the recruiting prediction machine at a 60% confidence rate. I don't know exactly how they do the 60% confidence rate. Um, I just know that that's more confident than less confident. So 60% seems pretty good. Now, also along the lines of Spencer Sanders is Bryson Green, a wide receiver at Allen, Texas bullish physical guy, really good hands, honestly reminds me a little bit of Trey Harris, um, just looking at the way he plays the game. Some people have tried to say he's a slot receiver. He's not really a slot receiver. He's not um, somebody that will do that. It will be an outside receiver playing inside receiver and not a natural slot receiver. Um, but if the intention is to run the football, another physical-bodied foe, could do it. Now, one thing I thought about, and I think about it from time to time, is with the Caden Priestcorn addition through the transfer portal, what about Michael Trigg as the slot receiver? 
to where you're essentially in 12 personnel most of the game. And he can run those behind-the-linebackers routes and doing things like that. And you have another tight end on the other side. And plus, you have an extra blocker. You can go, and that's like a seven-man tight end block, and that would be a matchup problem for most of the teams you play. That is an idea this spring that I think Ole Miss needs to look at. The RPO game with Michael Trigg and Caden Priestcorn could be pretty good. And you have backup quarter, backup tight ends. They might be young guys, but get them ready to go as a two deep. And you also have true slots like, well, I'm not going to say, um, Jalen Robinson, who needs to get healthy. But if he does, he'll be an elite player. And then you have Jordan Watkins, who at times looked like an outside receiver playing inside, but in certain situations looked pretty good. So right now it's Jordan Watkins' position. I'm not saying it's not. But looking in the transfer portal, trying to beef up the room with players in all those positions, the one place they have not hit is slot receiver. So that's the reason we're focusing on that. But Bryson Green out of Allen, um, Texas, he's um recruit prediction machine. Told Miss from Zach Barry, 60% um, confidence. All right. Now we move to the trenches. Everybody's been wondering about the trenches. Um, now you have Jamian, Damian George, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Victor Kearney. Those are big names. Um, Kearney's from Washington. Jean Batiste is from Ohio State. Damian George is from Alabama. Damian George is like a massive six foot seven, three hundred fifty pound offensive lineman. But I don't know if it would hurt him. Maybe they think about moving him inside and kind of becoming that road grader. Because in this offense, most most of this offense is run blocking anyway. Because on RPOs, no matter where they are, it's run blocking. And that's the reason the pass protection can look funky at times. Because if the quarterback holds the ball too long, if you're running second and third level RPOs and it takes a little bit longer to develop, your window gets a little bit shorter. On a run block, it's easier to get past them because they're they're striking you. They're trying to attack you. They're not trying to hold you off. They're trying to actually attack you. So we'll see exactly what happens, but... Damian George at 6'7", 350 pounds is somebody that, you know, as a guard would make a little bit of sense. Now, you also have your Michael Pettis. You have your um, Jaden Williams. Um, those guys that tackle doing a fantastic job. We're not trying to replace anybody. We're just talking about competition like we talked about, a tenant of this team. Now, um, of all these predictions, the highest confidence rate is for this kid, um, Javante Jean-Petiste or Jean-Petiste. Defensive end, edge, out of Ohio State. Um, he's listed as a high school where he was a linebacker, but he's, he's like 250 pounds now. He's put on some weight. He's a 4-3 um, rush end at this point. Decent player, good player. Um, I think he can come in and fill a definite role. You've, you've heard my podcast over the last week. You've heard what I've had to say about Pete Golding. You know all of that. The thing that everybody needs to realize is that Jack position, if it goes to a 3-4, or if you take the three-man front that we have now and you just evolve that a little bit, you would like to have somebody that is a Jack position. Somebody 6'3", 240, 250 pounds, a I, I'm not comparing anybody to Will Anderson, but somebody that body type. 
um, to put out on the outside. If you do that, it can affect the way your defense normally plays. On the other side, you can put Centarian Perkins. All of a sudden, he's good to go. And you have a defensive front that is seven-man strong that has the ability to play 3-4, 3-3-5, 4-2-5. Anything that you need to be done, you have the versatility to do it in these um, personnel groupings. You can match up whenever teams are running high tempo. You can change your defense up on the fly because you have the players to do it. That's my point. But Gene Batiste would absolutely fill that role. The last one is Victor Kearney, um, interior offensive lineman out of Washington. Um, good player. I, I think he's visiting Oklahoma this weekend. Um, we'll, we'll see exactly how they go. And you've heard rumors about the center from Arkansas State. Hadn't heard much about him, but it's out there. Those are some names in the portal to think about moving forward. And at the end of this, when we do deadline day on the 18th, a week from today, when we, when we do deadline day, we will talk about exactly how what Ole Miss was able to accomplish in the portal. Now, we assume that at midnight or whatever the portal cutoff time is, they're going to recruit and try and put papers in front of people all the time to get them to go because I guess they have to, maybe they have to announce their intention. They have to do something, the portal, because, you know, how do you commit? I mean, you have to get into the portal. You know, we'll see whatever happens. This is our first deadline day on this. We'll see how exactly it works. Anyway, in the next segment, Tim Thomas is going to come here and talk about Ole Miss basketball, what's going wrong, can we fix it, and some of the problems that might be happening to the team. So should be interesting. So stick around for that. Now, first, though, I want to tell you today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but did you, you don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've got the thing for you. It's Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they are so delicious, you won't know that they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. And now, you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Um, now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today or walk into the pharmacy section. Grab a box yourself of Built Bars. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. It's absolutely a fantastic deal, and I do enjoy Built Bars, especially when I get that little bit of snacky hunger that comes about every now and then. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So hit the bell for notifications, comment down below, and upvote the video itself. Of course, subscribe to the channel. I'm here with Tim Thomas. We're here to talk about the 8-8, eight 0-4 eight, Ole Miss men's basketball team. They do have Georgia coming into the building um, this weekend. Tim, it feels like every game is just one game. Um, you know, I got a little bit under the weather and I fell asleep and then I, I looked up and I saw what had happened in the course of the game and it looked like 
like midway through the second half, just like the Mississippi State game, there was a little bit of a lull. Auburn went on a run, and Ole Miss had no way to fight back. Am I? How crazy am I there? Yeah, you're right. Uh, Ole Miss really started out good. They started out strong. Uh, the guys were taken to the hole. They were even hit a few threes. I was thinking, hey, hey, we got a new game here. And playing at home, you know, it's like that a lot of times. Playing at home is so much easier. You're familiar with all the surroundings, and you got your own crowd. And uh, but. Uh, in the second half, uh, all of a sudden, they just kind of stopped. It was almost like they turned the water off. They just quit being aggressive. They stopped playing great defense. And Wendell Green, the super guard Auburn has, and the guy inside, Broom, they, them guys just took over, and we didn't have anybody to guard them and they could stop them. Yeah. And it – it's gotten to the point where you can see what Kermit's plan was at the beginning of the season. You take a Deshaun Ruffin, you match him with a Matthew Morrell, and you get a bunch of piano carriers like we're told, and they come in here and do all the dirty work for him. Well, obviously Kermit, he, he misjudged how well Deshaun Ruffin was. He, he's not where he normally is at the moment. And because of that, Ole Miss has a little bit of a point guard issue, right? Yeah, just talk about Wendell Green, uh, mm. just comparing uh, apples to apples. I guess it's, it's not true. Those guys are really good. You know, Deshaun and Abram and Caldwell, they really try hard. They really, I think they're, uh, they got their heads on straight. They're really trying to do their best. But you got someone like Wendell Green that comes in and they cannot guard. They, you know, we talk about defensive, they're a liability, all three guys. They cannot guard a guy like Wendell Green. He just took it NBA moves here, there, anywhere he wanted to go. He scored 24 or 26. He uh, just took over. Then when he couldn't score, if he was covered up, he'd get it into Broome, and we didn't have nobody to stop him. And if he was covered up, he'd throw it out to Flanagan, and I think he knocked in a two or three threes. So those guys, as we said a minute ago before we started, they got at least three guys, probably more, that are NBA-type guys. And we were talking, hey, okay, Ole Miss players, how many on Ole Miss this team could play for Alabama, Tennessee, even Auburn? Maybe Morrell, maybe uh, maybe another or two if they're playing well. But it, that, that's a, that's a talent issue. That's their players are better than our players, and right now it's showing up really bad. Now, if you play as a team. A lot of times you can hide a lot of that. You, you know, if this guy does this well and roll, this guy plays this role, this guy defensive role like uh, Miles Burns and this guy inside block shots like Akube. And then you got the guards out there taking turns, hitting threes and driving to the hole and dishing out. But a lot of that ain't happened for a period of, of the whole game. We did it real well for a good half. We were ahead, I think, by one and a half. And we did pretty good for the first few minutes of the second half. And it seemed like we just uh, just couldn't couldn't get it done. Now, tell me if I'm crazy here, because um, I mean, you played for Bob Weltlet, who is a disciple, I believe, of Bobby Knight, who really brought in the motion offense, and that just dominated like the '70s and the '80s, and that's how college basketball was played for just the longest time, free flowing, the team going back and forth, and now. The league, college basketball, they've NBAized it to where there's basically isolation plays where they try to get two on two on twos and one on ones and clear outs and things like that. And because of that, when you try to play the game that the superiorly talented teams are playing, you're in a, a severe disadvantage. Is the only way out of this 
to, is to do something like you guys did is just five players, get everything you can, lots of movement, lots of motion, and try and score and win the game that way? A lot of good points there. Uh, back in our day, defense was king, and, and today it is to a certain extent, but you got to be able to score. Hmm. We didn't score as many back then. These days, with the way the offenses run, like run and gun in football, you got you got to be able to score points. And we got a couple of guys at times, as we talk about, but when you play in other teams that have three to four guys that can score anywhere, underneath, out three, 12-footers, it's really hard for a team like Ole Miss right now. Their talent level is not up to like, as we talked about, Alabama and Tennessee. So what you got to do is play as a team. As you mentioned, you got to really pass the ball around. And the motion offense is really good. But usually these days they're trying to find a certain guy like Morrell mm-hmm. or maybe even one to get it inside a couple of times. There, there, there's a there's a, <laughs> a reason for this madness. You know, there, there's a reason to get the ball to certain people. And right now, Morrell's not coming through. Yet last night, he hit a couple threes, but he finally just decided, and I'm sure Kerbin helped him decide, to take to the ball at home. And he did fine. He ended up with 24, I believe. He did really well, take the hole, got a lot of fouls, got a lot of free throws. So he did well, but everybody else did not. Yeah, and if you look at the schedule right now, I think we have like um, Georgia this weekend, South Carolina's coming up, although they just won at Rupp, so who knows? They're like net 240 a team winning in Rupp Arena. I I don't know what to do with that at the moment. Uh, But the schedule theoretically should ease up because you had Tennessee, Alabama, at Mississippi State, Auburn, bam, 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 right in a row. Ole Miss has to start stringing some wins and stacking wins together. This season has the potential to get away from Kermit. Am I, am I crazy there? No, you're definitely right. we we got to get Georgia this Saturday. I mean, it's a must-win. You talk about a must-win, and then we go to South Carolina. I'm saying it's a must-win. Uh, then you go to Arkansas. Missouri is at home. Uh, then you go out to Oklahoma State for the Big uh, 12 Challenge, SEC Challenge. So I'm not sure how their team is. I hadn't kept up with them. But we got to win at least two of these, really. Two out of four to really um, say we got a chance to make anything of this season. If we win one, it's going to be tough. We don't need at all. Uh, Keith Carter is going to get involved. Yeah, and it's getting to the point. You really hate to have this conversation because what is it, January 12th when this episode airs? You're just like, can't, will Kermit make it to February? Will Kermit make it to March? And it, it's the way I describe it is like these games in them in and of themselves don't they're not make it or break games. But whenever you start adding them up and one stacks on top of the other, eventually the weight just becomes too much to lift and the decision just gets out of your hands. It's really tough to see. Uh, I love Kermit to death. I think he's he started off his tenure here really good. They had some really good seasons, and they had a COVID year. And then last year was a lot of people got hurt. But this year, everybody's back pretty much. Everybody's pretty well healed up. Ruffin may be not quite there. But this is this is do or die. We understand that Keith Carter said NCAA tournament or else. That's why I understood it. Now, he might have softened up a little bit on that, but that's what I understood. The girls' team is doing really well, if you noticed, and, and they're definitely looking like they're going to NCAA tournament. But this men's team, right now, we're at a standstill. 
So we got to, we got to get ready for Georgia this weekend. We got to got to get that win. We need to go to South Carolina because they're not that great either. They did beat Kentucky, but we found out they're not that great this year either. They some of the things we've been talking about. Uh, people in Lexington are talking about with, with the coach there. So a lot of these same issues, toughness, uh, a lot of these not shooting, sh- hitting shots, uh, a lot of these same things we went over the last few weeks. They're they're talking about that very strongly in Lexington. Yeah, I think what we're realizing and finding out is, honestly, the SEC isn't as deep as we thought it was. Um, Arkansas, without that big score, their big-name player, I think they're 1-3 in the conference right now. They got boat raced by Auburn at Auburn. Um, So if he's not in there, Ole Miss can potentially get that one. South Carolina's not a very good team, but they beat Kentucky. Um, LSU is up and down. There's several teams that's okay. You have three or four of them that are, you know, good. And then it's just like Missouri, maybe Mississippi State, and just a bunch of dudes. I mean, that's that's the way it sits right now, I think. Bama's number one, in my opinion. They they have outplayed everyone. Uh, they beat Houston, who was rated number one now. They beat them at Houston, which is that's, that's not thought of. That's hard to do. You go to someone's place, and they're that good as they are. They've won several other games. I won't quote them all, but Bama's really good. As we talked about, Tennessee is pretty good. Auburn is good, as we saw last night. Some of these other teams, we have a chance to beat them at home. Hmm. It's going to be really hard to beat anybody with the team that we have, just being honest, away from home. But at home, the rest of this 14 more games we got in the SEC, we have got to at least win half of those. If we can sneak an upset here, upset there at some of these lower echelon teams, then maybe we can get back in the picture. But if if not, it's going to be a troubled year, and and Kermit, his job will be looked at uh, closely. What's the name of the player at Alabama? Is that Brandon Wilson? Uh, Miller. Brent Miller? Really super, yeah. Yeah, um, I was talking to somebody from, um, believe it or not, Auburn today, and he said the difference between him and Jabari Smith is – he is more selfish in all the good ways than Jabari Smith. The things that Bruce Pearl desperately wanted Jabari to do last year, Brandon does it this year. And that it's like number one overall is where he is trending. There's, there's, there's not many out there like him. A lot of people are uh, comparing him to Kevin Durant. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant's probably one of the better players in the NBA now, or certainly was and still is to a certain extent. So if, you, if you're compared to Kevin Durant, you're a super player. He is. And there's a few great players around. Like we talked about, Auburn has that broom guy inside. He transferred in. He's really good. Wendell Green, uh, Alabama has several guys other than Miller. Uh, Tennessee has two or three guys. So it's a good, solid league. But like you said, Bama's number one. A couple other guys kind of lingering there. And then the rest, of the uh, less the ones here, last eight or so, it could go either way any night. You better win at home, and you need to sneak in a few upsets along the way to have a chance. Yeah, if if you're looking for an Ole Miss surprise that Ole Miss could jump up and get, honestly, that's turned into the Kentucky game, right? Because they're they're just falling apart. Could be. Yeah, he's gonna have to turn that around, or they're gonna be talking to him. Uh, there's twenty three, twenty four thousand there every night. I don't care who they play. Sisters yeah. of the Poor, they're, they're 24,000 there. Now, at, at Ole Miss, I think they said we had 59 there last night, 5,900. I don't know if that's true or not. I saw some of the fans. So that's another issue. When the crowd stops coming, if they do, that's, that's something that's going to uh, 
cause problems in the long run for Kermit. But hopefully the crowds keep coming. I encourage everyone to. I encourage everyone to stay behind him, stay behind this team, and let's try to make us through this bad spot. And hopefully if we can beat Georgia this Saturday and maybe upset there at South Carolina and then and make our way through these other games and, and win some of these. Yeah, it's, it's about stacking wins. Just get the first one, and then you just try and stack them and get as many as you can get. Because at home, they've played well. The Tennessee game, they honestly had that one little drought, and they got away from them. Same thing happened down in Starkville. They had a chance to get that one. They just, they just went into a shot desert and would not score the basketball. So, so they're going to put it together against somebody. I don't know who, but they're going to get somebody this year. Yeah, last night in Kermit's post-game interview, he just said all we can do is keep working. He was getting this question and that question and this question. Never one of them, he was getting hotter and, and madder, I could tell. But, you know, what do you do? They, they're reporters. That's their job. you got to do your job. So he finally ended up to say, we just got to keep working, guys. We've got to keep working. That's what we're going to do. The guys that want to play hard, the ones that want to do what's right, they, they're going to give it all they got. They're going to rebound. They're going to get loose balls. They're, that's the guys that's going to play. And we're going to try to get some guys to make some shots. They asked Keith Carter in his interview on 24-7, what, what does the basketball team need to do? He said, mm, that's, not really, that's not really hard. Make shots. They got to make shots. You know I have my little theory about that, and I'm not going to go any further with it. They have got to make shots, and more than morale. They, a couple of these other guys have got to step up and make some shots. He cannot pull the whole team by himself. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It's everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Tim, thank you very much for stopping by. We're going to keep doing this, talking about um, Ole Miss men's basketball every week. Hopefully they will give us something to um, crow about and be happy about in the near future. Yeah, let's go get these dogs this Saturday, the basketball dogs. I know we go handle the football dogs, but let's get the uh, basketball dogs this Saturday, and let's get a streak going. Yeah, the funny thing is um, you they put a schedule up on there of Georgia's football schedule next year, and they're like, what is this? And you talk, I guess talking about how easy it is. And you look on it and you see that they play at Tennessee right after Ole Miss. And I was like, best case scenario for Ole Miss. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. It's not going to happen in any game. You know, we could get started here. We can get a hot spot. A couple of these younger guys, you know, mature a little bit and start playing. I saw Ewing last night. He played better. And uh, Kuba played better. So, several guys were kind of just waiting to, to bust out. And, and hopefully will this, uh, this Saturday against Georgia. I hope so. Yeah, the, whatever has to happen, they need to figure out a way to get some confidence in these kids because these kids, when they're confident, they're okay. But whenever they're not, they are fragile. They're a fragile team right now. Yeah, and Morel is still fragile also. No one on the team is shooting it with confidence. And uh, hopefully that will happen this Saturday. All right. Tim, thank you very much for stopping by. We'll check in with you next week, man. All right. Thank you, Stephen. God All bless. Right, Bob. All right, God bless.